Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. I'm Becca Piastrelli, and this is Belonging, where I talk about what it means to belong to the earth, to yourself, to your ancestors, and in community. Today's episode is a response to various questions that I can see having a theme that have to do with my life now that I'm on the other side and on the other side of birth and have a child. And I think this question honestly comes from parents or or pre-parents who are wondering how it goes or are struggling with how to find the elusive balance, which I don't think exists, or it just needs to be reframed, which I'll talk about. So yeah, I was asked about my daily life as a mama with my workflow, how I balance business, mothering, self-care, partnership, and also what mothering looks like one year in versus a year ago when I had a new baby. So here's my honest answer today. I think the first most important lesson I've learned over the last little over a year has been patience, like real deal patience is, is truly necessary when going through um, like a massive life transition. Like I've just gone through, I'm still going through it just to widen the perspective here, because not all of you are on the parent path, um, but all of us experience massive life transitions. It is a part of the life journey. So patience really has to do with my relationship to time. And I've talked on here for many years, anywhere anyone will listen really, about my desire to divest from a strict adherence to linear time, to feel ruled by the clock and the calendar and really enter into a place as much as possible into timeless time, mythic time, 
a different experience of living my life when the days are passing and the seasons are flowing. And this is because we have to be in linear time. All of us have to be in linear time, right? There are appointments we have to go to at certain times. There are calendar days that certain things are assigned to. But within that, we can cultivate a different sense. I guess what happened was I turned 36 and I almost like 11 months postpartum. And I really had like the day before I turned 36, I had a pretty intense experience of feeling like what just happened over the last 10 years? Like I was 26, like a blink ago. And then that familiar feeling of what have I done with my life? Also, I think I'm having this experience of not being the young one. (laughs) I always felt like I was the young one. I had older friends. And so in a way, it just made me feel like fresh and relevant And I'm just really realizing how not fresh and relevant I am, particularly when I see these fashions of Gen Z and I'm hearing about the resurgence of millennial fashion and that being old, like 20 years ago. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's what I wore in college. This is kind of a silly explanation, but I actually think it's important, this idea of aging and time passing, creating a panic. I've definitely been in that. It feels a little bit like I woke up from sleeping and a lot happened without me, which is not true. A lot happened within me and around me, but we live in this comparison culture, particularly when our brains are scrolling through feeds, which is what we often do unless we can consciously move away from that, which I'm working on. And we take everyone's individual experience of life, which is a highlight reel. And our brain creates one master comparison life timeline of like every quote, everyone is doing cool things and important things and whatever, you know, whether it's like sexy vacations or it's big career success or it's finding love and having babies or whatever it is. And I'm not, but the truth is these are all individual stories plucked together in our brain, which is like an old thing, very old primal thing that had no idea these computers were coming, even though some of the brains created those can't really distinguish that like piecemeal aspect to our feeds, but I digress. I turned 36 and I started feeling like, oh dang, I'm really feeling like a victim of linear time. And that's been the medicine for me of this rite of passage, of this matrescence, of this transitioning is for me, I'm humbled. I've been humbled by my very clear bodily spirit, everything need for more time. In many ways, I felt like I didn't meet the expectations of my pre-parent self. I really thought that I would come out the other side ready to jump back in to life as I knew it and 
Some people can. I could not. And even more than that, I was humbled by a real sense of being unable to keep up. And and that's because I have a, a lower capacity, right? I'm, I am breastfeeding. That takes life force energy out of me. I'm, I'm not sleeping as consistently and less. That takes a lot out of me. I grew life and gave birth. That takes life out of me. I am constantly mothering, tending to my child, even though if she's in the other room with another caretaker, takes up a lot of space. Space that before having a child went to other things, went to self-care, went to mindfulness practices, went to the garden, went to my relationship, went to my work, went to daydreaming. So there has been a, a really important experience of grief and acceptance that, oh, I, in this moment, I'm told it gets better, in this moment, I have less energy, less ability, less time to do all the things. And I need more time to rest. I need more time to process. I need a lot more time to process, like weeks to process <laughs> feelings, experiences, events, conversations. And uh, that made me really feel incompetent. Like, oh, dang, I can't keep up. And I'm embarrassed that I'm so slow. And I'm embarrassed that I'm not able to do what I thought I'd be able to do. Oof. So patience is really my ally. Really calling in patience as my ally. So that's just like the primer here is mothering with a new baby was like being thrown into a stormy sea and just trying to fight for air with pockets of complete stillness, complete beautiful presence, and not knowing what time it was or when I last showered, it didn't matter. And then I get tossed around, tossed around, tossed around, and then I'd be in the stillness again. And then I had, I had to do some work. I worked for myself. I couldn't take a maternity leave. Well, that's not true. I chose to take a maternity leave. And you've heard me talk about this in other episodes. I had to come back and edit my book and just thought I'd be ready to jump back in, right? So I sort of set it up to be like, oh, I'll peek back in. And then still feeling like I was being tossed around in the waves. So a year later, the waves are like once in a while, a little bouncy, but it's really calmed down. And I I think what comes with, if we're just going to move with this wave metaphor, and I'm the one controlling the waves now. So I've become the sea goddess <laughs> in this metaphor I'm just working through with you. What's come, the way I've been able to calm the stormy seas has been grieving what is lost and then deeply accepting what is possible. Oof, tough pill to swallow. And continues to be a tough pill for me to swallow. So I gave myself extra time, right? So I'm now back, quote, back working. I have support in mothering. I have support full time, 40 hours a week with mothering. And yet I cannot have the expectation of myself 
to be at 100% full on. So how, so how does it look for me now with all of that said? It's managing the wanting to do so much with the limited time and capacity. So with a little more sleep, with a little more self-care, with more of a healed body, the creative well is filling. And I'm generally someone who doesn't really have a lot of boredom. There's just always things to do and ideas to do. And so I'm trying to make that okay and make the not executing on all of them not okay. Does that make sense? It's great to have the, these ideas. It's fueling. It's giving me life force energy to have these ideas. And it's unfair and impossible to expect myself to execute on all of them. And a past Becca could pretty much do that to the point of burnout, but who cared? Cause I could do it. So to not create any sort of story around the uncrossed off lit parts of the list at the end of the week. So this is one of my practices right now. So a practice that I learned in this amazing book from like 1994 by Leslie Keenan called It's About Time that I talked about on one of the earliest episodes of the podcast with Stephanie Berg. We'll link to it in the show notes. It's a great book. It's a little bit outdated. It talks about like electronic mail and fax machines and beepers, but it's the concepts are universal. She talks about a practice where at the beginning of every week, you write down everything you have to do and want to do, everything. And then every appointment you have, and then how long you think all of those are going to take you and then assign it to the calendar. So I do that, except I tweak it a little bit after a lot of trial and error. So I basically came back on board from my second maternity leave mama sabbatical at the beginning of September. And I tried that, filling my calendar. And I realized if I do that, I there is going to be that's not really treating my body the way it needs to be treated right now. There's like a a deeper need for white space and for and the only time I can really give myself the self-care that I need and want is in that daytime block when I have childcare support. So if I just fill it with all my work to-dos and house to-dos, you know, like paying taxes and paying bills and calling a plumber, whatever, because that's another job I have is household management. I now have basically three jobs. I've actually created little blocks. So there's some guarding, bound, sacred boundarying, that's not a word, of my calendar now that really helps. So I write down everything I need to do and all the appointments. I write, I approximate how long they'll take me. And then I prioritize with stars. Like what's, what do I really have to do and what do I want to do? And I don't even accomplish all of those. So it's a total practice in letting go. And then I just take a look at my week. I know where I am in my cycle because two weeks of my cycle, I'm like, yeah, got it. And the other two weeks I'm like, nope, I don't. 
So I take note of that. And here's how it goes. I wake up with Atlas when she wakes up, which lately is very early. And I have slow mornings with her where like I'm out of time. There is no time. I mean, I can kind of know where time is, right? But there's no real time and it's nursing and playing and talking and giggling and eating and just being with her in bed or on the couch or in the kitchen. And I find as much as I'd really want to start my day with like at my altar meditating, which is what I used to do, that's not possible. So I'm with her. And then the childcare transition happens and I used to just hit the computer, but I found that made me feel supremely awful. So that is my my me time. So is it I do a little tea ceremony? Do I do a little workout? Do I go on a walk and talk to a friend? But that's sort of like my sacred start to the beginning. And then I have, I'd say two to three hours max. And I could take a lunch break when I do like work things. So that's like not enough time for all the things that I want to do. <laughs> so not everything gets done. And what that's done is it's created a system in my work where I have to say no to a lot because I just don't have the space. And this could all shift, but this is just what it is right now when I'm talking to you. I have to just do the most important things and the things I want to do. That's very important for me, particularly as a manifesting generator in human design that I can, if I have to do something that I don't, that doesn't bring me joy, I will either not do it or I will take a long time doing a bad job at it. So that's the other thing with my list is I'm learning to prioritize the things I want to do as opposed to just the things I have to do. And then the afternoons are for appointments. So these are calls, podcast interviews, I'm going to physical therapy for my knee postpartum. I, if I need to get like my eyebrows done or my hair cut or go to acupuncture or go to therapy. And I have a lot of those I want to do. And I have to even scale those back because again, my number one priority is a spacious day. I used to end my day feeling like the more I accomplished the better I felt like I won the day. And that's completely changed for me, which has also been a grief, right? Like what? I actually feel better when I feel like I have a whole day where I've hit a few of the parts. I used to be like a batcher, like podcast recording day all day, or like I'm just gonna work right all day. And I, I need it to feel wholeness. I need to feel like I'm hitting the different parts of my life in one day. So yeah, had to scale back therapy. Yeah, had to scale back acupuncture and don't get body work as much. And I'm really happy I realized that because I was starting to get really stressed out about that. And then transition back from childcare to me. And then it's like the last hour of the day is like dinner time, songs, maybe a walk or a bike ride with Atlas, bath and bed. And then I have my evenings. We do date night once a week. 
which for a while has just been going out to dinner and just like staring into our soup <laughs> and just being like, whoa, here we are without our kid. But those are getting, you know, more energy and excitement and creativity. But mostly my evenings are like pr- to bed pretty early. I try to do some sort of joyful self-care thing, reading, I'm trying to not be on TikTok just the most addicting app on earth and so great or Instagram or honestly I do a lot of my texting at the end of the day too but I try to really shut that down by eight and be asleep by nine because who knows when my baby's waking up again this is right now I get really nervous about talking about my rituals and my daily life because they shift all the time and I think that's a permission we can give all of ourselves to not adhere to some like miracle morning schedule to really see like what, like I have, I've had to ask myself the really hard and true questions about what I need right now and see where I was holding resistance or grief with that. And it showed up, da, 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 no surprise here in my feelings of attachment to like productivity and hustle And the biggest win for me is to see that um, a, quote, successful day, a well-lived day is one where I feel wholeness in my activities and not necessarily doing a lotness, which was how it used to be. And just to underline this whole idea of, like, I don't think balance exists I don't know. There's like different people talking about it in different ways. I think ultimately what I mean is if I expect myself to feel some sort of balance, I'm setting myself up to feel like I've failed. And that could just be where I'm at right now in my life and my wounds and, you know, particularly being growing up being a people pleasing good girl. That's that's a losing game for me. So if I just accept that it's successful to eat three meals a day and get at least one thing on my list done, then then we're good. We're good. I think I shared that in the early days of postpartum with a new baby, our couples counselor told Tim and I, like, you have to lower the bar. You have to lower the bar so low you bury it in the ground. And... As someone who's always had lofty goals that she's rarely hit and been really quite hard on herself about that, that has been revolutionary, completely revolutionary. So as I get more energy, I add on a little bit more, but I'm always checking in like, is this too much? And often the answer is yes. (laughs) Like often the answer is we got to scale back. We got to scale back. So this makes me not great with email. This makes me not great with text. This makes me sometimes say I'm going to do something and then have to be like, actually, I can't. It's it's hard. I am contending with feelings of disappointing people. And I'm working on how to set expectations up front in a way that's like artful and clear to them and honoring of me and letting myself feel how that feels and moving through it. And I I wonder if that's this next phase of my life, if that's what it's about, is stepping into a real honoring of my capacity and naming it 
as someone who used to overpromise, overdeliver so much that I'd start underdelivering, feel shame. I was, you know, I was the one who would ghost last minute on things because I was just like so exhausted. Like, what if we were just really honest about our capacity from the beginning and be willing for people to be disappointed for us, but we have our truth and that there's no mistaking what is real and true. It's such a relief to me. I find when I meet people who can tell me up front what they can and cannot do, it's such a relief to me because then I don't have to guess. So that's what I'm reminding myself of when I have these moments of feeling like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do it, I can't show up to that, especially as someone who used to show up to it. So for folks who, who knew me as the person who would show up no matter what, it's probably disappointing and hard for them to see me in this new way, but it feels a whole lot better. And I just don't want to get sick. I got people counting on me, including me. Uh, and I, I don't want to burn out. I, I've done that so many times. I'm really done. I'm really done with that. So there's a little peak. There's a little peak. I hope that's what people were wanting to know. It feels almost too simple in that way, but it often is patience patience and truth. So thanks for listening. I will talk to you soon with another solo episode. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me. I know your time is sacred and the fact that you spent it with me talking about belonging means a lot. If you want to access show notes or links to old episodes, check out belongingpodcast.com. And if you know a friend who could really benefit from listening to this episode, share it with them. I'll talk to you soon.